This is Purple Radio On Demand. Content warning, this episode will contain content about body image as well as conversations about food and eating habits. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Hi guys, hi everyone, welcome back to episode, I want to say four, is it four? I think I think it's four, you know. Yeah, wow, we're getting, we're getting the big numbers. We're, we're almost geriatric podcasters now, I think. Yeah, getting into the swing of things. Yeah, we're back for episode four, Female Gaze, um, and this week is going to be a really, really exciting uh, discussion. We're going to talk to Hillbead's welfare team, and we're going to talk to them about the role of welfare in general, and then also talk about the expectations society places on something like body image. Um, and we also have some lovely guests from our own exec coming to join the chat as well, so that's fun. Yeah, we uh, will introduce them in a little bit, but... Just a little uh, hillbead natter from us. Um, and how's your week been, Lauren? I feel like we're still in the wake of episode three. We're still we kind are. Of languishing in, in the love of Simon and all of the affirmations he provided last week. I'm not going to lie. I think it took me like a whole three or four days to, to get over all the, the emotions I felt after recording episode three. I, I loved chatting to Simon about about Hillbead and about kind of feminism. So yeah, it was it was such a great conversation to be a part of. Absolutely. Uh, we'll definitely have to get in touch with him for future episodes. Yeah, I've received really, really great feedback on the episode so far. So guys, if you haven't checked it out, please do um, episode three. Okay, so Lauren, you know what's coming. You know it's incoming. I do. I've had to think a lot this week. Go on, go on. So my woman of the week this week, and this is kind of a, a kind of a bittersweet woman of the week this week, but my woman of the week this week is Cicely Tyson, the African-American actress who passed away this week, aged 96. But I would like to celebrate her legacy, particularly in Hollywood this week, because what an amazing path she trod, suggesting that black women didn't just have to be feature characters or they didn't just have to take parts that were kind of made for a black actress. They could take meaningful and powerful parts um and she really she really did kind of tread the way and she I know she mentored a lot of the up-and-coming um African-American actresses that we all know and love so well I I think she mentored Oprah Winfrey and, and what a gift to the world that is as well but yeah I, I celebrating her legacy this week was important for me fab I love that um in a similar vein I've actually also gone for showbiz-ish uh woman of the week this week as well um I don't know if anyone listening has been watching the show It's a Sin. Um, I can cue cry, like screams and cries, people being like, yes, it's amazing, it's so good. Um, but it's on Channel 4 at the moment uh, by Russell T Davies. He was one of my favourite, favourite like directors and writers ever. Um, and it's about the AIDS crisis, but based in the UK from like the 80s to the 90s. Um, and it looks at this community of like young gay men living in London. But one of the really incredible characters in the TV show is this woman called Jill, who, when I looked into it, is actually a real character who has been kind of, who Russell Davies has taken inspiration from um, from his own life, from um, his own Jill. Um, and she was basically someone Davies met when he was 13 and kind of throughout the crisis, 
spent time in hospitals and went to these hospitals and spent time with these gay men even if if they were dying or if they were alone if they didn't have people they felt they could reach out to and she genuinely held their hands um and sort of was the person that they could um confide in um because obviously it wasn't people weren't always out to their parents or, or to their loved ones and so um jill nolder um who actually plays the mum of herself it, that doesn't make sense who plays um the mum of the character in yeah in, i get what you mean <laughs> yeah, yeah makes makes a feature um uh is in it and also shout out to lydia west who wonderfully wonderfully plays uh jill nolder as well um who is a brilliant brilliant actor and i would yeah i i think it's really we just spoke about it last week but it's very very wonderful and kind of encouraging to see the caregivers and kind of in, in roles or in crises or in pandemics like this one it was very weird watching a tv show that was about a medical epidemic yeah whilst watching it in a medical epidemic um but seeing the way that women kind of are the unsung caregivers and, and caretakers and, and are so loving and, and capable and kind of often a lot of the time do not get the credit yeah i think that's just it's a depiction of it I love that. I love that. Um, I love that suggestion for the Women of the Week. I also love the suggestion you've made to me now to go and watch this over the weekend. So I feel like next week you can have my my feedback on the TV show because it is something that I've been very much meaning to watch and I'm hoping to get to this weekend. And everything I've heard about about it has been so kind of incredible. The feedback on on the show has been amazing. I feel like it's something a period of of quite recent history that we definitely don't talk enough about. Um, I think the only reason I know anything about the epidemic even is like through musical theatre, through yeah, watching Angels in America, through, um, yeah. oh, Angels in America, and also through watching through watching Rent. So, mm. which I think actually the Rent twenty five year anniversary was this week as well. So all these things tie in very nicely. Um, so yeah, something to for the listeners to go and research as well. Something to clue yourself up about. Mm. Watch Rent. Watch It's a Sin. Watch Angels in America if you can get yeah. hold of Angels in America. Um, yeah, amazing content in all varieties of showbiz about such an important kind of time for the gay community, but also for our wider community as well. Okay, super, super excited to introduce our special guests for this episode. First up, we have Nicole, who is Liberations Officer for the 1898 Society. Hey, Nicole. Hi, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Yeah, getting on. the week as usual um we've also got hannah who is hannah you do so many roles in 1898 society so i'm just gonna let you say them okay so um yeah i'm the welfare and accessibility and treasurer so um those are my roles and i also a woman of many talents (laughs) and i also put together the opening intro that you heard did. She did. It's a jingle. So good. <laughs> Deserves much love. Hannah is also welfare officer for music? Yes, for Music Durham, I'm welfare officer. And we do a bunch of projects and welfare related things over there. So please check that out on our Instagram and all our socials. And also president for Mixed Society, which I will also shout out. Um, <laughs> uh, we've also got the lovely Martha here, who is publicity officer for Hillbead Welfare as well. Hey. Hey, so good to be here. Well, not yeah, good, good to, to hear. almost see you, kind of see you. <laughs> cool, 
Well, we're so excited to have you guys join us today um, and hopefully have some really interesting conversations about the role of welfare and then kind of more specifically about body image and body image at university and all those sorts of things. But we've got our big question to start with. What I want to know is who are your women of the week? Who wants to kick us off? I'll go, I'll go first. Um, so I feel like as a bit of a student this week, I've got to give a shout out to Virginia Woolf, who's... Uh, and who is one of my absolute favorite authors and obviously a pioneering feminist voice absolutely that's a great shout as well she's she's awesome i've just had to have my uh, copies of to the lighthouse and mrs dalloway kind of re-delivered from from durham so i can write my essays actually yeah very necessary very necessary. yeah but she's awesome cool good shout anybody else um well um i had I really thought about this because there were so many notable women that I wanted to mention. But um, the woman that I've chosen actually is um, Kelly Marie Chan, um, who is voicing the lead in the new Disney film, Raya and the Last Dragon, who is the first Southeast Asian princess. Um, and the trailer just came out three days ago. And um, oh my God, it was so good, guys. I'm so excited for it. Um, Kelly Marie Chang has been someone who I really admire. And she, in case you don't know, she was, um, I think her name was Pico from um, the Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. And she unfortunately was victim to a lot of online hate and abuse from so-called diehard um, Star Wars fans who didn't like the way she looked, who were being racist and misogynistic to her. And so many terrible things happened to her. She had to delete her whole Instagram account. Um, but I'm so happy to see how she's rising up and um, getting this amazing role, which is gonna inspire so many young Southeast Asian or just you know Asian girls who will look up to her in this film. Bro, where was this when we grew up? Oh, Literally. I, I like, I'm like, oh, just the standardized Mulan, Mulan 1, Mulan 2, Mulan 3, Mulan the live performance that just got ruined it's honestly so exciting like i watched the trailer and strong female leads um no cliches it's looking good so i'm really excited that's amazing something to look forward to and something that we will shout out when it happens we will make sure to let our listeners know cool nicole oh i mean following that wow i mean (laughs) i'm not familiar with her but she sounds incredible um, I mean, to overcome that kind of just unacceptable kind of abuse, uh, just what an amazing person. Um, I, yeah, I'm not a big Disney fan, but I will be watching that one. Um, so, I mean, I also I also thought quite hard about who I wanted to bring up, I think, because I remember I listened to one of the other episodes and you said sort of it was perfectly OK not to have someone who sort of spoke about the topic that we wanted to discuss. But when I was thinking about it. I decided that I wanted to talk about Iskra Lawrence, um, who, if you don't know, is a um, curve model who is pretty well known for doing the um, American Eagle Aerie campaigns. Um, but I wanted to bring her up because when I was, I, I mean, probably maybe I was about 16, 17, I started to see her stuff on social media. And she's quite, um, I mean, she's a, she's a curve model, so she's a, a slightly um, less, shall we say, uh, normal Instagram, um, super skinny kind of kind of person. And for me, so wonderful to see somebody like her who looked so happy, who looked so in love with her body and would just do exactly whatever she wanted 
and she was she was successful because of the way she looked and for me it was a really important sort of turning point to see somebody like that who was celebrated loved and you know got so much you know got got her her job and everything revolved around how beautiful she looked as somebody who wasn't incredibly thin mm-hmm. and yes yeah, so I just wanted to um to post her in and yeah check out her Instagram she's got a beautiful little baby now as well so uh even if you're not there for her fashion she's there you can <laughs> enjoy her I think that's a that's a great suggestion and I think what American um Eagle Airy their campaigns have been doing in general is like brilliant I I have um type 1 diabetes and an insulin pump and they are also the first fashion industry person to kind of put out models wearing the sort same sort of medical equipment that I wear and I know like that's something that's quite specific to me but it, it's something that I have felt very self-conscious about and people have made lots of comments about in general um, and it was really important to me to see that representation as well so what they're doing is is incredible for representation in general I think yeah no this representation <laughs> is so important like on on film on screen on advertising yeah we need more of it I think both of your, uh, Hannah and Nicole's um, suggestions are kind of tying quite nicely with all of us trying to see ourselves and the people that we are kind of able to view in mainstream media all the time. And I think those people leading the way in, in representing different people from the kind of generic stereotype of, of the people we do see in mainstream media and modeling and, and fashion and TV is really, really incredible work. So yeah, great suggestions, all three brilliant think- suggestions. Uh, no, I just say I wanted. It's, I think it's really important to say that, like you know, you should never feel like you are un, it's unreasonable to want to see something that's personal to you represented. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's like it's so important that everybody sees a version of themselves, be it you know someone that looks exactly like them or someone who just shares something from their culture or your or your lifestyle that makes you unique. Seeing you seeing that represented really helps to make people feel grounded and accepted. And I think that, you know, we, we shouldn't, we shouldn't say to ourselves that it's not, you know, we shouldn't want to see that. It's, I think really it's the bare minimum that we should expect. Absolutely. I completely agree. I think that's a really, really important point to make. And hopefully one that we will kind of continue to expand on throughout this episode, I think. Cool. So kind of going off what we looked at last week and kind of the idea of, um, I guess accepting grief and accepting that right now is a really, really tough period for a lot of people. And kind of as Nicole is saying, um, not to feel as if, or for us to feel that it's okay to kind of see a representation of ourselves, to see whether it be grief, whether it be joy, whether it be kind of anxiety at the moment, see that kind of reflected in our society and in our communities. And I think a really, really kind of important part of that um, is the idea of welfare is the idea of welfare as this sort of community and this outreach where um, it is able to sort of not necessarily do a quick fix about what's happening in your life, but very much be a point of reflection and listening. I mean, we spoke about it last week. Listening is so, so important. Listening is, I think, half the problem problems that we, we are having um, and kind of looking at the silent sufferers um and who is not being heard at the moment um right now in in the pandemic and kind of in the wider world so so we're going to look at welfare in college um and yeah martha i will we'll kind of start here how how do you think welfare has changed um this term or, or this year even 
because it's it's so different from previous years where like you could pop in it's the most lush room you go in there's like a giant teddy bear there you guys have got sweets and tea and now all of that's it's different it's a different um it's maybe a different dynamic um what's it like this year yeah I mean absolutely it's changed kind of hugely as everything else has I guess um but I think, yeah, it's been different because we don't have, as you say, we don't have our room. We don't have that like environment where we just offer tea and biscuits and people come and, you know, get the free food and then stay for a chat. And like, um, it's like much more, I think people have to be much more active to seek out help. Um, and I think that's kind of the main barrier that we face, I guess, is like, how do we reach um, the whole of college? And like, how do we make people aware that we're here? And like, we're still offering everything online, but it's about um, visibility, I guess um and you know like taking that step to message us is like quite a big deal for some people um and I think when you can't like be face to face it feels more daunting um so I guess what like my role for publicity is about like trying to like follow as many friends as possible and like just get the word out that like you know there are people here that are still around and that like there is this college community even though it feels so remote um so yeah really just like pushing that message has been our kind of biggest challenge in terms of working through the pandemic I think you're you're referencing there the the social media element of it and I think we have possibly even on the podcast given social media a little bit of bad press in the last couple of weeks there were some very problematic elements of it as we've we've uncovered with other issues on the podcast but I think you're reflecting here this power of it to to bring people together and I know I for one have followed along on Instagram takeovers my housemate did one the other day and as I'm not living with him at the moment it was kind of nice to see his face and and check in with him um so I wondered how you feel like you've been able to reach people in those ways and kind of tie people together yeah well I think as you say like social media can be a sort of damaging space and also especially when we're spending so much time on screens that it can just become sort of negative so I think with welfare and with our Instagram we're kind of trying to break through that and like make it more of like a a wholesome and an inclusive space and you know put stuff up that like um is more comforting perhaps than like a lot of feeds that people will be kind of spending hours and hours a day flicking through so I think almost it's important that social media has that negative aspect and it's important that we're trying to sort of reframe that and as you'd like use it for a more like positive outcome I guess. I found uh, the takeovers, as, as you were saying, really, really helpful, sort of doing your day in stride with someone else, um, taking it in these really sort of digestible um, pieces where the day has been broken down. Even though it's someone else doing it, I kind of look at that and go, hey, like tomorrow I could do that. Like I could, you know, in this hour set myself, like eat breakfast and then exercise, go for a walk, you know. It has a similar effect to the study with me ideas and stuff like that, knowing that you're not in it alone, which I think is really important during a time, like the key word of this last year, it's almost been isolation and it's trying to to not feel isolated in amongst that social isolation, which is really fascinating. Hannah, I wondered um, with kind of music Durham welfare in particular, I know you guys have been putting out a lot of resources. How have you found that and what sort of ideas have you managed to come up with to, to keep people involved? Yeah, well, like, obviously, it's been a huge struggle. Like Martha said, we can't have these in-person things. You can't have in-person drop-ins. One thing that Music Durham Welfare did last year was, you know, have little treats around the music department that people could just pick up and it'd be like a nice surprise. But we can't do that anymore. Um, But one of the really good uses of social media that we've been taking advantage of 
um, is signposting. So um, kind of letting people know that there are places that they can go to for help should they need it, um, different um, helplines or um, off the top of my head, I can really recommend um, Nightline, for instance, which is um, run by um, Durham students. And um, there are all of these support services that are available. So a large part of what welfare does right now is kind of just letting people know that these are here for them and that we're here for them as well. Um, also, social media. Um, we've uh, recently launched a kind of um, community kind of togetherness project called the Quilting Project in which, but just like an overview, I know this is a bit <laughs> um, off topic, but it's a, it's a project where people can make um, a square out of like fabric with like um, standard measurements and that we assign and then we collect them and then we bake them into a quilt. It's in the, it's in the process of happening right now. Um, but I feel like, you know, you could, there are ways to be creative in engaging with people and interacting with people online, even though you can't see people face to face. That is so cool. That is so amazing to think of all those little pieces stitched together to make like this huge blanket. of. Yeah, it, and it's symbolic as well to show that, you know, yeah. we're, we're um, stitching a quilt of community. Oh my um, gosh, I love that. <laughs> I feel that that links really nicely into something that Simon discussed last week actually which is this kind of like having things to show for the time mm-hmm. so like whilst we're all apart even though we're very physically distanced we have kind of these collective things that, sh- that account for this time and show that we've still managed to maintain our sense of community it be that a hobby community or, or a music community I said it then and I'll say it again, I quite like the idea of this podcast as, as one of those things because it shows that we've still managed to have these conversations whilst we're all over the world even, um, which has been amazing. I can say, I can imagine in years to come, can you imagine like a museum of sort of artifacts or souvenirs of the art and kind of literature um, and, and creations that have mm-hmm. happened in the pandemic and um, yeah, seeing it as a, as a place of sort of obviously great loss, but also adaptation. And, um, Resilience and creativity. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I mean, in a, I think in an oddly beautiful way, although social media has has its downfalls, it will have created a, a beautiful community footprint that we can, will, historically speaking, this is a such a unique situation. We've never had such a global historic moment happen that's going to be so well recorded and so well recorded by the everyday person. Mm-hmm. And social media will let us view that in a digital archive. Yeah, I remember doing um, in primary school about the Great Fire of London and everyone's like Samuel Pepys diary there's one thing there's one thing that we look to do and that tells us about this kind of like great communal suffering whereas this time we've had a chance to all document that change and and all the things we've learned and doing that in all different ways as well I think Nicole actually you you raise a really important point there as well which I think as liberations officer you might have something to say about in that we've also had this time to reflect individually. And I know a lot of kind of social movements have come out of this time where we've all been kind of at home and, and thinking about ourselves and thinking about the ways we interact with each other. Um, so obviously the kind of Black Lives Matter movement came out of this and lots of other things. I, me and Chloe earlier were talking about um, LGBTQ rights um, and talking more about the AIDS epidemic, which is linked to our current epidemic as well. I don't know what, how you feel about this kind of like period of self-reflection. 
I mean, I, from a personal perspective, I found it incredible for my self-esteem and my sense of self. Um, and it given me that time away from, from comparing myself to others to just kind of get to know myself better. But I think actually the, one of the nicest things that I've seen is that people's capacity for empathy and in being sort of in their own space and with little, with little to do, people have sat down and actually listened to other people and taken a step back and, and, and asked other people to tell them about themselves. And I think that that's something that you can see in, in the sort of the, the, the moves forward that we've seen in the Black Lives Matter movement and in, in, some, in certain ways with LGBTQ representation as well, that people are actually sitting down and they're listening. Mm. And I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't go for everybody. That's not, you know, that's not a universal, but I think more people, because they have time to spare, are actually stopping, checking out of what's going on with them for five minutes and actually ha- using their, their newfound sort of spare time to empathise and, and try and look at things from other people's perspectives. Well, I was going to say the thing about self-reflection is really interesting because I think it's, I think it's been a really important time for a lot of people to kind of just listen to themselves and like realise how they were feeling before and like really tune into their mental health and I think that's actually like as you say it, it has been a positive experience for a lot of people but also just an extremely challenging experience to kind of have all those self-realizations in quite an intense way um so, so i think with on your own yeah exactly and like it can have a positive outcome but can just feel really overwhelming at the time um so i think it's kind of like a two-edged sword in a way i just say i couldn't i couldn't agree more with martha i think that in you know I see myself as very lucky that I've been able to have this sort of growth experience in an otherwise very unfortunate time but I'm also acutely aware that that's that's a privilege and that I think that you know if if people if people are if if people have found themselves exactly where they were you know this time last year that is such an achievement to just Mm. kind of manage to stood still and and not feel like you know that like you're like you're any different to have managed to stand still is is as much of an amazing accomplishment as anything else um yeah so like this idea of privilege um definitely this you know last year and also like you know this year has been a time of you know deep reflection um and you know there's a lot of effort all around to kind of look at how lucky you are and be grateful and thankful because others situations are possibly worse and I think that's a very good thing you know it's building this um, this ability to empathize with others and see see other situations um but at the same time I think it's also important to acknowledge how you're feeling also so even though you may feel as though so even though you may feel like other people have it worse and that you shouldn't be feeling terrible because other people must have it so much worse because you must have it so much better than others doesn't take away validation from your own feelings and I think it's important to acknowledge that yeah I completely agree I feel like comparison is never that helpful and actually you know it will it leads to kind of you neglecting your own emotions and it's so important to like confront that no matter what your yeah you can you know you can be going through a difficult time no matter what your actual circumstances are Um, they're not like mutually reliant So we've spoken here about this kind of period of time of self-reflection, but also this idea of kind of comparison and and being kind of immersed in this world of knowing that your what your privileges are, um, but also kind of recognizing your own 
like your own sadness or, or grief or anything that you, you're feeling at this time. I think this also connects really well to this conversation of body image that we're about to kind of move on to. Um, I think a lot of the conversations surrounding this topic have come out of this idea of, of comparison that has very much been promoted for, through social media and, and stuff like that. Um, I wondered if anybody felt like they wanted to talk about what the topic means to them first before we kind of start to uncover what it means in a wider sense. Um, well, I mean, I study anthropology and um, one of the things that we we look at is um, human evolution. And one of the greatest things that I've learned from my degree actually um, to do with myself is that not everything that you do is as much of a personal choice as you think it is. And I by that, I mean that there are certain things that we do because we are biologically programmed to do them. And one of those things is we, we love as humans to feel like we belong. We want to find a like people because with like people, we, we feel safe. And we, and you know, as, as uh, go back 40,000 years, we would have, among like people, we would have survived. And so one of the things that we do is we compare ourselves to try and make sure that we'll be accepted to try and encourage other people to bring us within their, their kin. And I think that people, it's a very, very good thing to try and teach ourselves to move away from comparison with others. But I think it's also very important to remember that sometimes it's not, well, almost all the time, it's not your fault that you're comparing yourself. It's your subconscious trying to encourage and ensure that you are accepted into a social group that you you feel as though you want to be a part of for that feeling of safety. And so check in with yourself when you have those feelings and check in when you're trying to, when you, you realize that you're comparing yourself and, and ask yourself, why are you doing that for um, you know, personal reasons? Are you, are you actively choosing to do that? And if so, why? And unpack that as well. But if, if you're not, if you're doing it because, just because, it may actually be your, your subconscious evolution talking and not yourself. That's really, really interesting and really helpful. I think the clarity that provides on the conversation we're, we're about to unearth as we go forward. On a similar kind of vein, with this idea of um, not necessarily having control uh, in regard to body image or sort of your treatment with body image. I was watching a video and it spoke about how um, so obviously you don't have control over your features. So for instance, you might have um, certain features and people will treat you a certain way because of those features. Or they'll expect you to be a certain way because of those features. So if you've got like, I don't know, like a rounder face, you might look more childlike and people might think you're more gentle and therefore will be super nice to you. Or if you have like really strong eyebrows, people might think, or like slanted eyebrows people might think you're more angry if you've got like a resting bitch face for instance people um might think you're impatient or something like that what happens is people sort of treat you that way over time and you end up kind of assuming the persona or the character that people want you or view you to be um which is super interesting because there's this mold that you kind of shape yourself towards um because uh, you're kind of working off the way people treat you. And so you work in line with expectations, right? Um, and I guess, I guess the way to, to reach outside of that is this complete, um, complete unraveling of, of what our expectations are of people and this complete sort of checking of, hey, why, why am I treating this person a certain way? Why do I feel, or why have I generated certain feelings a certain way towards someone. 
um, and kind of, yeah, as Nicole said, sort of stopping, clocking and being like, okay, let me, let me take a step back. Let me look at the situation. Let me look at like, I mean, first up, we should be kind to everyone that, you know, that goes without, without saying, um, but interesting to see kind of, and reflect on why you might treat people in disparate ways. Um, I think Chloe that's like that's so interesting and and so important because I think that we social media because it takes up so much of our time and our, our brains uh, we don't often spend that much time alone in our own heads and I think that it's it means that we don't always self-reflect perhaps enough mm. and part of that self-reflection can be talking to yourself about how you treat others and the expectations that you put on other people and, e um, and equally the expectations that you feel that others put on you mm. because sometimes from from realizing that we don't like something it can give us a realization that we do something that others may not like and I think that having better conversations with ourselves can only improve a our personal relationships with us bearing in mind you know you never get a day off from yourself you it's important to foster really you know nice and loving self-relationship but also to remember that our words and our and our actions have meaning to other people and perhaps we may say or do something that we don't feel has very much gravity that we never quite know how the other person receives that the impact of that information and so being a little bit more mindful about how or if we say something I, th I think is a really important thing to consider feel like yeah I feel like that's like super important I think especially kind of what you were saying like the the way that you talk to yourself um whether that's internally or not like the expectations that you put on yourself like that is really tangible by people around you so you know even if you're like reprimanding yourself for like eating a donut or whatever and there's someone next to you like it it's all caught up in one big bubble of insecurity essentially and like it doesn't just have implications for you it has implications for everyone and like the kind of narrative that you put on yourself is also put on those around you if that makes sense uh yeah and like this thing about uh, martha what you said about feeling bad about eating a donut think about how absurd that is like we're in a pandemic and we're we're and and i felt like this as well i found myself kind of scolding myself for eating too much when i'm not going outside and and using up the energy that I'm consuming being like oh you know today you're going to Tesco to buy groceries so you can eat a bit more at lunch today like how unhealthy is that and absurd and so I feel like it's just important to really like understand the situation that we're in and cut yourself some slack and also others slack as well I think the, the takeaway from that that's really nice is essentially we've all got bigger fish to fry than whether or not we <laughs> ate a donut and I think like, not to make it too personal, but I struggled quite a lot with internal feelings when I was younger. And talk, like taking what Martha was saying, I struggled then with my social relationships because people could, could not tell, but they, they, they knew that I was having that internal time, like that turmoil inside that was, was reflected outwards into somebody that wasn't very friendly, that wasn't very loving and wasn't very nice. And that was all because actually those were things that I was internalizing and I was doing to myself, but they reflected outwards as somebody who was, who wasn't very nice and didn't. And as a result, you know, I, I struggled with my relationships in school and things. And 
uh, going to uni like, really gave me an opportunity to kind of foster a person that I had I had found I would say sort of in sixth form but I'd I went to the same school the whole way through so I wasn't really given that growth space which I think is another thing to say like if so if you notice someone's changing give them that space to grow don't um don't sort of limit them because may not be the person that you think you know people do move and change and grow and I think that allowing yourself that space and allowing other people that space can really improve everybody's relationships with themselves and with each other yeah I think that's such a the the point you just made Nicole there is really important and particularly at the age we're at you're describing a period of time in, in which you go from being a child to being I'm not going to say an adult. I don't consider myself a full, <laughs> full adult, but something that sort of resembles an adult. I don't know. And, and like having having those kind of conversations with yourself in which you allow yourself to grow as well are really important. Like you don't have to be the same person you were when you were 14. You can change. And that could be a good thing. Um, and I think university is a really important stepping stone for lots of people in that way. Um, but I think, Martha, you, you'd quite like to bring up from a welfare perspective. Oh, I should also preface this. And the, the reason we're having this conversation is that um, Hillby Welfare are going to go on to have a kind of series about body image and, and do a lot about it on their page. And I know you'd like to talk about this kind of idea of, of how we consider body image at, at university and some maybe more problematic elements of that. Yeah, so I guess like not even specific well I guess what I mean by university is just the fact that it's a lot of people in one place with like a lot of different things going on um and particularly like when people are living in college you know we have catered meals and um we kind of live our lives together um so I guess just like what I kind of already mentioned but like the discourse that we use to talk about food and the discourse that we use to talk about our bodies when we're living in such a community in a such a communal environment um is like is important to take note of. Um, so like when I say discourse, I mean words just like like assigning like guilt, guilt-free foods and like assigning that kind of language to certain things or saying, oh, I need to go on a jog to burn this off. And just like those kind of little interjections that people often make um, at mealtimes um, and like the kind of damage that that can have. And I guess just being more aware. The discourse around food, I think is really important because I think we sort of raised it but didn't quite explore this idea of like punishing yourself for eating. Um, and I know obviously a, a trigger warning that, that this sits on, on that boundary of talking about eating disorders. So if that is something that you, you don't want to listen to, then that is completely fair. Um, and I will leave a, I'll put something in the bio about where you can skip to and, and avoid this conversation. But um, this idea that because I have eaten something wrong today, I am then going to punish myself through the form of exercise or, or through not eating on another day. Um, when actually food is a fuel and something that all of our bodies need to function. Um, and that, that I think has a tendency to become toxic in this community environment. And I think, like you said, there is this particular thing in, in Durham, especially about communal eating, which isn't a massive feature of other universities anymore because most people aren't catered and, and we were. Um, and I think it it's sometimes very difficult to sit at the age we are around a table with people who are all also that same kind of age we are and everybody looks slightly different and does slightly different things it's very difficult to not compare those habits I think like that's really it's really interesting you say that because like I'm a big food person I love food and I have a lot of allergies and that's like given me an interesting relationship with food but I love food and so one of the things that I, I clocked into maybe about two years ago was that 
I hated it when I was eating something, I was really enjoying my food. And the person that I was with either wasn't eating or would stop, wouldn't finish their food. And it's, it goes back to this kind of like, we follow what we see and we, we sort of were so reliant on other people um, and their social cues when we do things that are communal and, and social that we feel the need to kind of follow suit. And it, it was a real learning experience for me to kind of unteach myself to be concerned about what other people thought in regards to what I was eating. Because when you think, when you think to yourself, like, actually, is anybody paying that, that much attention? Probably not. Almost, almost no. You know, they're too consumed with their own lunch, their own dinner. You know, don't, don't, don't prevent your own enjoyment because you're worried that somebody else is thinking as intently about what you do as you think about what you do. Because if we all internally reflect a little bit, I wouldn't say that I ever think too strongly about how much anybody else eats or drinks or does. I'm far too consumed with thinking about myself. And like, that sounds awful. Um, but I think that it's an important thing to remember that take, take what you do and think about what that means in relation to other people. And then remind yourself that other people do not pay your minute habits as much attention as you think. So throw off that feeling like you're being watched, like you have to conform to certain, to certain things. You really don't. And just, you know, enjoy your dinner. Have a great time. If you love food, crack on. Yeah. I, that's yeah you phrased it better than I possibly could have there Nicole I think that that's a really really important point to make um that people don't really care like <laughs> um I think I think there's this whole thing um and I'd quite like to move the conversation towards this actually this idea of the the way we see our own bodies is because we're so conscious of the way other people see our our bodies and this idea of perception and I think that is heightened by being the age we are um, by social situations obviously like your life is changing people are getting kind of into different types of relationships than they have been previously and and people are going into different social situations kind of clubbing and all those things maybe not quite so much clubbing at the moment <laughs> definitely definitely not as much clubbing as I'd like at the moment but these kind of different social situations that we're finding ourselves in as we reach these kind of formative years um, of the age to 16 16 upwards I think I think people become quite conscious of themselves in those situations because you are you're dressing differently because of what where you're going and there feels like there's a social pressure on those things and then also we very much have had this kind of unprecedented kind of force of social media that nobody ever has experienced at our age before um it's new and it poses completely different challenges and you're constantly seeing other people and the way they look and the way they represent themselves through those platforms. So I think it feels like people are constantly looking at you, but maybe they're not. Hey Lauren, you have so dangerously approached the prospect or the aspect of, of sex by saying all of that. I like how you, I love how you approach that very, very um, gingerly and um, very nicely done. Um, I was just going to say, yeah, that I think there is a sense of like trying to match other people's university experiences. And I know, or I've been in discussions kind of where you see friends falling into relationships at university and there's a sense, and I think at Durham particularly, I'm surprised this hasn't come up before, but the idea of the 70% statistic, right? The idea that 70% of people will meet 
their partner for life at Durham or they will meet them on later in life and their partner will happen to have been from Durham University and I think you know that has merit in the fact that Durham is a very unique place it's a um, a bubble of sorts and what happens in Durham is I think it does give you a kind of lifelong connection with other people but also um, if you don't meet someone at Durham or if you if you kind of don't meet a partner um, there's no kind of shame or there's no sort of um time stamp where someone is expecting you to do so um i think but it puts you it puts you on your toes right because you you feel like you're looking for somebody or you feel like it's supposed to happen and i think that rather unfortunately people expect you you expect yourself almost to look a certain way or or for something to feel a certain way when when you're approaching those kind of points and so you're constantly like what if I meet my future husband, girlfriend, partner today? What what happens then? And it is it's a massive social pressure. You're right. It does make those moments. I mean, <laughs> last year where you'd kind of go out to the clubs and you'd be like, "Is this is this? Will I like? It, will it be in Freshers Week or will it be? <laughs> or am I going to go into Fabio's and then the bartender there and then we'll start we'll hit it off and then or maybe at Osport? Like, <laughs> it's it's so so absurd where you're trying to like match your experiences with other. Um, other people's Instagram posts or something like that um, yeah yeah go on Nicole sorry I think, like this is just an interesting like t- time to bring up the kind of the concept of what people tell you uni is going to be like mm. and a lot of people we forget that pe- people come to uni at you know 18 you're like we're, we're still really young and like I, I came from an all-girls school and I, I have an older brother and, you know, I, I spent a lot of time around boys socially, but they, it was, it was boys I was around who, like, I, I'm, I'm straight, so this is, you know, person, person to me, but I spent time around boys who, it was purely social. And so everybody, you know, social and, and non-romantic. And so people, my mum, my for example, you know, said to me, it's all right, we'll go to uni, it'll all work out. You know, you'll walk in and people think you're, you're lovely, da, 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 da. And for me, that was really, really damaging because it meant that I, you know, my mum didn't mean it to be, she was trying to be really nice, <laughs> but it meant that I'd, um, like, in my brain, I'd put my appearance and mm. what I looked like and moving off and going up and growing up and going off to uni all together into a little melting pot of, this will all mean that somebody wants to date me yeah and that didn't happen for me and actually like one of the things that I've really had to do and I've really had to work on was disentangling my sense of self and what I thought of my own appearance from whether or not a guy asked me out yeah absolutely I think you're completely right lots of people have these phrases that they talk about and that can be family or friends or anybody and it's really easy to internalize those things to be like okay well if it doesn't happen now, like when's it gonna happen? Like, <laughs> this is my time, this is my moment. And and you're right, it's really hard to separate those things. And also to separate like what um, our massive achievements from that, like it's really difficult to come home and somebody very well-meaningly is like, oh, got a boyfriend then. You're like, no, but I do have almost a degree. So there, uh, it doesn't really work <laughs> like that. It's really, really hard to be like, I'm doing other things and I'm, I'm proud of those other things and I want to do them more than some boy down the road. <laughs> I think it's also like, talking about like separation, it's interesting looking at like, you know, your body image in reference, like why, 
why do you want to look a certain way and who for like is it for you or is it for someone else mm. um, and like what are the expectations that are, are put on you by external forces or by like like are you dressing a certain way because that's how you want to be seen or because it's how you want to be and I think that they can be two different things I think like the, the thing that speaks to me from that Martha is that, that uh, like I I will very rarely say to somebody this is how you should view this or this is how you should do this because I just don't I don't believe in that I don't agree with that but the one thing I would always say to somebody is if you realize you're doing anything because you want somebody else to perceive you in a certain way or you want someone else to see you or interact with you in a certain way you're doing it for the wrong reasons because when it comes to anything that's about the way you look, the way you feel about yourself, the the sort of your person, you are the only person that's actually significant there because you have to like you. You have to, if, you know, if you, if you can if you can get to the point where you love you, you, that will radiate off of you. And anybody who doesn't think that that person that you've curated to be the best version of you for you is is enough, isn't right for you because they they're missing the point. Mm. I, I think that also brings us really nicely onto to the conversation we, we want to start with Hillbead Welfare in particular, the collaboration with FEMSOC in that we, we need to recenter this discussion, we need to refocus it on, I don't want you to like me because I wear the right clothes and because I look a certain way. I want you to like me for everything else I am and for all the things that I do. We need to start refocusing that conversation to being like, the reason I want somebody to compliment me today is because I worked really hard on this project and they benefited from it or because I made them a cup of tea and they really needed that or because I was there to support them when they needed that help. Um, and so basically as, as a kind of collaboration between our two societies, we are hoping people will get on board with this on social media. Martha and Nicole, I don't know if you, you wanted, it was kind of a, a shared, shared thing. Martha, do you want to explain it from a welfare point of view and then we can explain what what we'd like to do in practice um yeah so I guess yeah just like looking at complimenting for things that are appearance-based and sort of acknowledging each other and being grateful for each other and celebrating each other um for you know qualities that aren't just aesthetic um and how how do we see this going forward what would you like the people the people at home in their various homes all around the world hopefully what would you like them to do moving forward with that this is something that I hands down cannot say is something that came that I completely came up with on my own I cannot tell you where I remember seeing it before but I've, I've seen this around and it's this this idea that takes one of almost the core facets of Instagram which is the kind of compliment train that people go on where they post an image and they can they can do it for all manner of personal reasons but their friends and their followers club in and, the, and they compliment them on their appearance and they tell them all these lovely things their appearance but people always neglect to mention the person mm. and I think that that's one of the most toxic things about social media in general particularly Instagram that is we focus so much on the aesthetic and so little on the human being and what like what I wanted to this is sort of when I thought about it was that people remembered that you can say to somebody you don't have to tell them they have beautiful hair you don't have to tell them they've got a beautiful face you can but actually is it more meaningful than for them to hear you are such a wonderful friend I appreciate you so much 
is mm. it you know you are so clever I, I read your essay and it was amazing those things have such a deeper meaning than than sort of the artificial and quite brief warmth that you get from being told that somebody likes the way you look I'm going to shout out to my mum here because she's going to really enjoy this and that my mum calls it the the no it's you babe thing <laughs> on Instagram <laughs> Um, yeah, right on the mark there, and and you're right. It is this kind of tendency to be like, oh, there's my friend who's posted a picture, and I like my friend, so I feel like I have to say something. But you're right. Why don't we say something meaningful? So perfect platform. I think you, I think you found your title. No, it's, no, it's you, babe. Campaign. I'm gonna, I'm gonna call it that. Karen. <laughs> I know it's a really random thing to bring in, but I was just thinking about this that. We've kind of, we talked about social media, but we haven't talked about dating apps and the impact of things like Tinder and Bumble on the fact that you swipe based entirely on a selection of images and a like, what, 100 character, like, um, 100 character bio, thank you, Hannah, <laughs> on somebody and the impact that that has on what we think of ourselves. Yeah. In that university as well, because dating apps are so big at uni. And the way that we kind of see others as well. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Ourselves. Like I, I know I'm to blame. I don't, look, I don't spend nearly enough time looking at people's bios when I'm on dating apps as I should, because you get drawn in by the, the visual of them. Can I just say, I don't swipe for people unless they have a bio. Chloe, the social warrior, she's here. <laughs> because... I'm so proud of you. I don't have that self-restraint. <laughs> I'm like I if you you're putting too much pressure on your body image um and you're there by asking me to put too much pressure on your body image and I don't want to do that so mm. that's like that's so big like big brain oh my god Martha would you like to shout out the welfare team and all the things that you guys are going to be up to in the next few weeks yes um so we have well obviously the main event is our body image campaign um, with a potential very exciting event, which more information will be released about later. Um, but also just mainly like the main thing is that we're still here and we do drop-ins. We just do it on like a message basis. So if anyone wants to chat like casual, not casual, whatever, like just give us a message um, and we can do it over Zoom or Messenger or a whole range of things. Um, and then just follow Hillby Welfare Instagram and Facebook page for a lot of wholesome content and mental health awareness raising. Um, yeah. Perfect. And Hannah, is there anything on Music Durham you want to shout out as well? Yeah, so um, I, met, I mentioned earlier the quilting project and I want to uh, emphasize that it is open to anyone. So it's not just for Music Durham members. Um, uh, feel free to, yeah, just follow our social media so you know what's going on. Um, and we do drop-ins as well. And we... Um, share wholesome content as well as signposts um, so yeah just know that you know it's social media is what you make of it if you choose to follow accounts that make you feel bad about yourself it doesn't have to be like that you can you can follow um, accounts that make you feel good or that um, are informative or that open your mind to different things um, so this um, I've just I've just remembered what um, the campaign reminds me of, and it's I don't know if you guys know the I Weigh campaign by Jimmy Lee Jamil. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so it's <laughs> like that kind of like placing your worth not on the numbers, on you know the looks, but rather the things that you can, um, the things that you can be proud of, the things that you can show for yourself in your skills, in your personality, in your relationships. 
just because we're all doing our shout outs for our other societies, mm-hmm. I'm on the exec for Healthy Cheer, who also have a campaign about body positivity and cheerleading. Um, if you want to check it out, we're sharing our personal experiences of cheerleading and actually how in, an, in a loving environment like Healthy Cheer, it can really help bolster your sense of self and your self-esteem. Um, but that being said, um, we're really hoping that people will engage with this and kind of just help them shift your perspective on what what you can say to somebody about themselves on online that it can be a compliment that isn't aesthetic and you know we are we're hoping to kick it off among among us where you know you will you'll tag somebody and you the the idea is you'll give them a compliment about themselves and not about what they look like and that that it's, it's about showing our love for each other and our appreciation for each other and, and making somebody feel good about themselves for who they are, not what they look like. And, um, and hopefully it'll, it'll help some people really feel close and, and lift them up in the rest of lockdown. Absolutely. So accounts to go and follow, as always, at Hillbead Femsock. Is it at Hillbead Welfare, Martha? Yeah, yeah, that's the one. At Hillbead Welfare, Hillbead Cheer, Music Durham, follow them all. Um, and I'm going to challenge you lovely four other ladies on this podcast to do five compliments on the day this podcast is released and hopefully we will start kind of pushing that outwards. I also challenge the whole of the Hillbead Femsock to get involved and Simon Forrest of course because why not. <laughs> Amazing another wonderful wonderful episode thank you guys so much for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. It's <laughs> such a productive um conversation this week and also another really healing redemptive conversation that I feel is going to set me up for the weekend and, and the new week next week so definitely boost. and we've got a really exciting episode next week as well which I can't wait for so stay tuned for some for some more fun next week okay thank you guys so much for joining us as always be good and lovely and we hope everyone's keeping safe and well um yeah be particularly kind to yourselves this weekend and for anyone who's done dry January well done girl <laughs> that's just a shout out to myself celebrate this weekend right um I've been Chloe I've been Lauren and we've been the female gaze and we will see you next week Thanks for downloading this Purple Radio podcast. For more great content and to listen live, head to purpleradio.co.uk.